0: Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth, and this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also wanna focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now and where it's going to go. Is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real-life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I'll bring it to you Every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast on this week's show. I was joined by Stuart Mitchell. Stuart is the founder of a company called Hampton North, a specialist cybersecurity search firm headquartered in the US. He's based in Connecticut just just in between Boston and New York. He's got three people and he launched the business in September 2022. So we're only nine months into his journey. Now, Stuart, I wanted to interview him because the way he's done what he's done is incredible. He, I haven't never worked with Stuart, so I can't take any credit, but the way he works is exactly how I believe the modern recruiter should. It's what I teach thousands of people to do all over the world. He started investing in his personal brand in 2017, when he worked for a different firm. And then by 2019, he was at and May on the west coast of America. And he started to get inbound business to the point where they called, they called it Stuart's magic inbox. He was bringing in business all over the world for his teammates. And he started to realize the power of of personal branding and inbound on LinkedIn. He then teamed up with the recruit hub and in the first nine months has built over seven figures and all of it has been generated through his personal brand. He's now at three people, and he wants to build a company that is fit for the modern era, a remote-first business. All of the people who work for him has approached him, and they're already top billers elsewhere. So he's, but he's, he's building the avengers of cybersecurity recruitment, experienced people who've want to who who've watched him, have learned from him, who trust him and want to work for him. And as a result, they're all now... Um, Reaping the rewards of this brand. So, anyone who's looking to start an agency, this guy's nine months in. You're going to learn a lot. Anyone who's already running a business, you know, you could learn a hell of a lot from the way he's running it. Without further ado, Stuart, welcome to the Rag Podcast.
1: Sean, thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: Pleasure, Stuart. Wait, wait, for, for people who don't know, where are you based right now, Stuart? Where, where am I calling you from?
1: Yes, so I'm in the I'm in the United States. Uh, I am in a very quiet part of the US in in Connecticut Valley. Fairly equidistant between uh, Boston and, and New York City, about two hours from each.
0: Wow, and it's New York. It's New York State, isn't it? Connecticut?
1: Uh, no, it's its own state. It's its own. It's its own kind of. It's the second smallest state in the U.S. It's pretty irrelevant. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's its own state between kind of Mass and New York. A lot of people call it the kind of the the highway between the two. To be honest,
0: right. Okay, fair, fair. Well, look, mate, we, um, we can tell you're not a, an American by the accent. So, you've, you know, we wanna, I want to find out all the story of you getting over there. Before we get into it, but for the listeners' benefit who don't know you, just give us a bird's eye view of who you are today and what you do.
1: Yeah, so I, um, I run a small search firm. Uh, I started my own business in September of 2022. Uh, we're now three people. We focus uh, exclusively in the cybersecurity ecosystem within the United States.
0: Yeah, so you're, there's three, is it three of you?
1: Three of us now, yeah.
0: Yeah, and to, to bring you on early on in the, in such, you know, n- nine months into your journey, you know, people don't expect that from the rag. But there's a reason I brought you on. There's a reason I brought you on. And I'm going to tell you, it's because of your personal brand, I'll be honest. It, it, when I went out to LA in September, as you were starting, I met the guys at and May, where you'd just left. And when I told them about what I did, they were like, do you know Stuart Mitchell? I was like, no. And they were like, he's the guy to watch from a recruitment perspective who's doing it well. So then I've been following you since. And then obviously you started up with the guys at Recruit Hub who sponsored the show, which is amazing. So um, nine months in, how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I think those that know me will always say that I'm always good, never great. Uh, I always kind of want a little bit more and always push for more. But in terms of Look, the, the success that we've had in what's felt like a really short, long nine months, like I've definitely aged a bit and it's definitely been full on, but i um, feeling really good about how the business is going. Um, you know, there's very late rumors of a, a fourth joining us pretty pretty quickly and somebody who's who's fairly high profile in the security recruitment ecosystem. So really excited about that. But um, look, in, in terms of the success that we've had in, what is not the easiest market? I mean, it's not 2021 anymore where everybody's throwing checks around. Um, I'm I'm really happy with the progress that we've made so far.
0: Wicked. Well, what I'd like to do is find out a bit more about you before Hampton North and then we'll get into more of the business, right? So yeah. But when did you, like, how did you get into recruitment in general? What, what's the story there?
1: Classic, right? The fell into recruitment. So um there's uh i was on my way to a cricket match in in the uk like i i didn't go to uni um i really kind of honestly wasted a lot of intelligence and talent through my teenage years and found myself a, a little bit lost kind of working i think i got fired like nine times before i turned 21 and a load of like office jobs temp jobs whatever i just couldn't couldn't find a home and and this guy who must have been 24, 25, he still works in recruitment, actually, um, shows up in a, in a brand new BMW. And I'm like, Phil, what do you do? Cause this is a pretty sweet car. Uh, and he's like, I work in recruitment. And I was like, can, can you hire me? He's like, my friends are actually hiring entry level folks in, and this is back when I'm in Northampton hence Hampton North, uh, and I owe to my hometown. But this was when I was back in Northampton and, you know, he, he introduced me to this really local, very low value business. Um, kind of ground it out there and, and and this is I guess back in 20 2011 um so a while back aging myself a bit but did a little bit there and realized that the real money was in London and actually international recruitment so was the first of my friends to move down to London I worked in SAP recruitment which again is probably aging myself a little bit but did SAP recruitment in in London um back in 2012 which is where things kind of really start that's when i really started to think about
0: making recruitment a career right and what were you how do you remember the early days how did you take to it uh with a lot of
1: energy and enthusiasm but i think if you ask the folks who i worked with back in 2012 2013 2014 like would they have expected me to have the success that i've had now i I don't think that they would have i was decent i was okay i was never top biller in the uk um I came in a bit cocky and probably didn't back it up as as well as maybe I could have. Um, but I was I was good enough and I could talk the talk and honestly I was probably at the time like a stereotypical wannabe top biller in London that wasn't quite as good as I thought I was. Um really trying to figure out who I was as a person as well, but it was I was okay but again like I don't think I could have predicted where I would be today that's for sure that. Where were you about
0: in London be a base back then?
1: Uh, so initially, so I worked on Great Portland Street, um, which is right by Regent's Park, lovely area of town, definitely not the kind of classic Essex band in the city. Yeah. Um, so we didn't kind of run into too many of the other agency types, but I was there. And then about 18 months in, I essentially followed a, a founder who had started a, a new group. So I did 18 months of Portland resourcing. I did okay. Um they probably made a bit of money out of me, but they definitely didn't get rich off of me. Um, I followed a founder. I followed uh, Ezra Chapman, had invested in yeah. a new company, former founder of Chapman Black, founded Red Commerce. And he he's somebody I met early in my journey and, and, and saw some potential in me. And he'd started this uh, this company called, well, he'd invested in this company in Newcastle, actually, Elliot Brown, who are a big competitor of, of the Frank Group, um, doing some really good stuff up in Newcastle. And so... They tried to talk me into moving to Newcastle, which was a, a no for me. But I spent a few months up there uh, as I joined Elliot Brown. And essentially, I was kind of telecommuting from, from Shoreditch way back when. So got to spend some time in the true recruitment hub of, of London, kind of that East vibe, et cetera. Um, but very quickly, I think within six months, they realized that there was a an opportunity for UK people to go to new york city they had a few people there they were doing okay um and at the time i was pursuing a love interest who was also from the us so there was kind of a hey i think this this might work out for you and again i was doing okay at the time for elliot brown but then you know back in pretty much nine years ago to, to this date not far off they were like and this was kind of before everyone else was doing the US thing. There's only a few folks that I know that have kind of been around over here longer, uh, but they kind of chucked me on a plane and were like, go kind of go figure New York city out, which was, which was an amazing opportunity for kind of two and a half years in the game. And they kind of trusted me to do that, which was, which was awesome.
0: What was that like moving to New York when you're from Northampton?
1: <sighs> yeah. eye opening. Um, I, I loved it. It was the best. I think New York City was just amazing for me in my twenties. Um, I still like, I still romanticize about the first time I, you know, came over the bridge from JFK and you know walked onto because yeah. the office was on Wall Street. And I was like, this is nuts. Like, what the heck am I doing here? But it was like I, like I get goosebumps when I talk about it because it was just the most amazing experience. Yeah. And you know, it was hard. The first year was a real grind. I was essentially making money to break even because New York City is not a cheap. Where you live? It' cheap place to live. So I lived in New Jersey. I lived in uh, kind of Hoboken, Jersey City. So I definitely wasn't living on Central Park or in the village or whatever. I, we got there once things started to work out, but um, first cool, year, right? pretty cool. Yeah, I, I yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And I think you know I know some recruiters that that live there, but um, yeah, it was it was awesome. And you know my commute would have me walk through the World Trade Center path every day, and so again, just wow. entirely. And somebody gave me a piece of advice once, you know, when you're having a bad day, just look up because you you look up in New York City and there's nothing like it. Like everything is huge and fast paced. And it's just like, again, it, it blows my mind that I had the opportunity to do that. And, you know, first year was a grind really kind of, you know, the type of square your pennies away, have cereal for lunch in the office type, like make sure you make it. But then, you know, that kind of, 2014 was tough and, but 2015 onwards, you know, things really started to kind of take shape for me kind of personally, professionally, everything kind of played out really well for me.
0: Were you in security recruitment at that time?
1: No. So I worked in a, essentially a Microsoft ecosystem market, which is still a fairly popular space. Yeah. Um, but working kind of dynamics and and, and yeah. SharePoint with my SAP background Um so not not super high value now that i'm looking kind of retroactively you know i'd love to have been you know one of the real early adopters of of cybersecurity recruitment i still kind of think i was was at a good time when i entered it in 2017 but you know I, I i did well i was mostly doing contract stuff i think in my best year i fell just short of of 700k which Way back when those were massive numbers. Nowadays, yeah. I, I don't know how they compare, but you know, 2015, 2016, kid making more money than I ever expected to do. Um, it was pretty sweet, and I, again, had a ton of fun doing it. It was, I would say, it was a very UK-centric culture. Really young, kind of you know, gr- grad model, grad sharp, um, c- create your own talent, create your own culture. Which you know, to do that with the US folks who are less know and and probably hear this a lot but like less familiar with how English recruitment works and and actually the kind of money that you can make if if you're pretty good at it um it was awesome like we have some some memories that I can talk about some memories that I can't talk about but just had a blast (laughs) the entire time um and it it was just such a such an about fun for somebody who again from Northampton you know telling stories to my friends and, and and even now like they, they thought, you know, at the time when like I had two heads when I was explaining stories to them, like some of the things that we'd, we'd get up to on, on the weeks and weekends. It was amazing.
0: I think the timing of what you've said and, and the journey sounds very similar to me. So I was like Melbourne, Australia, 2012. Yeah. One minute I'm working as a barista in a coffee shop and I've got a backpack and I'm living in a hostel. The next time I'm working in recruitment and I wasn't particularly, I was all right for, 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 mm-hmm. for 18 months. And then I wanted to come home, move to London. And that's when, so 2012 was when I landed in London. And then I started Hoxo in 17. So there was a journey there, similar sort of time in London. And, and again, I was like, you know, earning 200 grand at like 27, 28 years old in London. And it's like, I tell them stories and my friends are like, is that, is that part you what? You did what? Yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah. And and, and how did you do that again? And when you tell them, it sounds so simple. But yeah. That's the reality of our industry. Not everyone does that well, but those that do, it's it's mental. So when when did you know you were going to be a, a founder of a business? When did that start to come on your radar?
1: I think some other people knew before I did. If if I'm being entirely honest, I think people knew it before I did because I never, I was never somebody who grew up entrepreneurial or you know grew up like hey, I want to be the owner, I want to be the founder, whatever. And and I remember. Steve Stott, my my former CEO, said it before I yeah. did. He's like, There's there's no way you're here here forever. And if you don't set up your own thing, you've let yourself down. And at the time it was kind of that's what you're supposed to say. And now I look back and I'm I'm really grateful that that he saw that in me and, yeah. and some others did. And you know, actually people outside of um outside of recruitment in the cybersecurity industry actually thought Stott and was was my company. And I started to think like, okay, like and I know it's not. And, and, you know, I played a role in helping it grow, but it definitely wasn't, wasn't me. Um, but maybe, maybe I should. Right. And so I started to what, think what, about it. What, and I you think, were doing?
0: what were you doing that made people think it could be your company? I th-
1: I think, look, you know, I, I, I genuinely don't know, but I think it's a lot of how I presented, you know, the, I treated that brand like it was my own. And it was something that I was super protective of, I was really proud of what we did during my time there and, and continue to see. So um, I think potentially the way I treated the brand and, you know, I would like to think that the, the team internally felt I treated them the same way, but the way I, you know, brought value to other opportunities, created opportunities for other people that might not have been in my ecosystem. I think that's why. Um, and again, also like, and and I know this is something but that, that you do every day, but like, I was singing from the mountains on, on LinkedIn and at conferences that this was, this was the partner. And, and so I think people just affiliated the two, like, okay, yeah. I see Stuart all day, every day on social media and he works to start May. And so like the two intertwined really quickly. And I think it was just that you know, the, yeah, the things kind of fell together.
0: Where, where did the whole building your brand go into LinkedIn? Where did all that start for you? And how, why?
1: I don't know. Um, there was it was something that I started to do a lot. So I did a little bit of Elliot Brown. The real answer is I hate cold calling, and I was always looking to find a more effective, more efficient way to connect with people. I am a once I'm connected with people, I'm very, very good. If I'm in meeting them, if I'm on an arrange call, the last time I wanted deal from a cold calls in 2015. So I had to find other ways to connect with people. Um, and it would either be directly on LinkedIn, which was kind of how I got a lot of it started was direct messaging marketing on LinkedIn, using LinkedIn as you know sales messaging, et cetera, before that was really a thing. And then I started to, uh, and I will say there's a, there's a recruiter I have a ton of respect for in the cybersecurity space And he would always be posting his his roles and opportunities. A guy called Lee Lee Hills, he's tremendous um, in the the cybersecurity space. And I always saw that he would do this. And I was like, okay, this is a good place to start because you start to showcase what you're doing to everybody else. And I was like, hey, like other recruiters get jealous, other clients get intrigued. And I was like, this is a really good place to start. And then I was like, okay, I spend a bit more time on LinkedIn now and I start to see people with personality, like, get kind of a cult following, right? Like, there's people who genuinely are, are like, I'm interested to see what they have to say on a daily basis. And, I, and whilst nothing I say, at least I think is, like, groundbreaking or world-changing, like, I think starting a, a – a lot of it is having somewhere to start. And I started to kind of – some of these, like, brain farts or whatever you want to call it, I started to vocalize them on LinkedIn. So I was like, this is quite interesting. This is quite funny. Um, and I started to kind of put it out there. And again, you know, the, the traction it gets makes your life, you know, I don't have to tell this to you, but like the traction it gets, makes your life so much easier. Yeah, um, yeah. and I live for shortcuts. So for me, yeah. it just made sense to kind of continue that momentum, but look, it, it took time, right? Like this wasn't an, an overnight thing. It was, it's like going to the gym. It's repetition. It's repetition. It's, and I don't do that, but, uh, I do the LinkedIn stuff. Um, and yeah, all of a sudden I think kind of 2019 was when it really started to kind of spiral for me and and make my job super,
0: super easy. Are you spending hours on LinkedIn and cold outreach and want more business coming to you over your competition? Well, if you're the founder or leader of a recruitment agency, here's what we can do for you. Hoxo will give you the training, support and resources to take you from what I call an offline recruiter reliant on posting jobs and sending in mails to open up new customers ultimately looking like every other recruiter on LinkedIn, to being an online recruiter being seen by over 25,000 relevant people, driving a 200% minimum increase in engagement on your profile and seeing daily lead lists from linkedin that you can follow up with in six weeks time and if you don't perform you don't pay now why can we make such a bold results driven promise like this well it's simple there's two reasons firstly whilst i've been building the rag podcast we've actually done what we say we'll do for our clients In less than two years, we actually built a business generating from zero to over 1 million views per month on LinkedIn, leading to multi-million pound revenues with a sales team of me plus two people without making a single outbound cold call. Second is our track record. Not only have we done it ourselves, but we've helped over 350 agencies and over 4,000 consultants do it as well, all in the last three years. Now if that sounds of interest to you click the link associated to this episode and we can book a call and tell you how we can help. Right. Let's get back to the show. So 2019 you're working at Stottermate. you've been investing yep. in your brand for a couple of years. Yeah. Look, we we spoke about this offline. So like literally the last week I started posting about Coco and I did two posts in 2 days that got well over 65,000 engagements and um Kind of said what you just said, right? So I, I don't believe cold calling's dead. I don't. I, I think, I think it's genuinely harder to get someone on the phone than it was five years ago and ten years ago because people have the ability now to look at their mobile, not spot a number, and just click no. Yeah. Whereas years ago, your phone rang, a, head, a handset rang, and it you didn't know who yeah. it was. Yeah. So all that's changed. Plus, the platform that LinkedIn is didn't exist when people learned to cold call. So, of course, th- not only has cold call got a bit harder. There's also a lot of things that you can do. That So there's this brigade in our industry that think it's the only way to work. And yeah. when you've got new people coming in who are sub-25, who've never even knocked on a mate's house or phoned a yeah. landline to see if their friends are friends yeah. at home, that like we used to do growing up, like they don't know what, they don't get the whole, what you're going to phone someone out of the blue that doesn't know you and try and open a conversation. I mean, when you've got a job to call someone about, I think it just naturally feels easier. But when you phone in a random client yeah. and you don't have any context if they're going to want you, I, look, I just think it's, it's a very, very inefficient way of working that you, you, only, you only do it if you have to. So if you're literally yeah. screwed, you're brand new to the industry, you don't know anyone, and you, yeah, you're probably going to have to do it. But when you've been doing it as long as you have, there's got to be better ways. And, and so many people resist change they hate it and then so many people are like desperate for something new they fucking can't stand it so when you just said then like it took till 2019 to start seeing the returns what does the return look like because this is one of the biggest battles i have is explaining to people what what good looks like from a outcome because they don't they don't get it they think they're going to post on linkedin and the phone's going to start phone calling it's like not quite but tell us how, how it worked for you
1: So I think the easiest thing to say is that's when I started to become known as a million-dollar-plus biller. Um, That was the year that that trickled for me and has happened again. And, you know, I've been able to do that, run a seven-figure EBIT team as well as Bill a Million myself, which is something I'm really proud of. Um, But I think the the running joke at start in May was Stuart's Magic Inbox, right? Like, it became a running joke of how many people reached out to me to work with us as a, as a recruitment partner. And that's, you know, when people start to do that, you start to dictate the, the businesses you do and don't do business with, you start to dictate how they structure the the compensation structure, how they pay you, how you work with them. And the the shoe gets on the other foot, like, Hey, like, sorry, we're, we're too busy. Hey, we'll pay you more. Or, Hey, you know, that's not in our sweet spot. You know, we're going to need an extra X amount or or whatever. And and you start to be able to dictate the terms. And, you know, even when I do reach out to people, like one of the best clients I ever worked with, I was stuck on the tee. I was stuck on a golf tee and there's a slow group in front of me. It was like a Thursday night and I I pinged this guy and I was like, literally, Hey man, I know you've been looking for a little bit. I know you you guys are quite hard to hire for, I just beat you guys in an offer with these. Are you interested? Hey, Stu, yeah, I know you're working with these folks. I know you've also worked with these folks. Let's do it, right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I think when I said, hey, Stu, Siri started listening. Give me one sec. Brilliant. Yeah, it happened on
0: my end as well. My phone just went, ding.
1: Hey, Siri. There we go, classic. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, it became a, a lot easier for bigger businesses. And then when you start with these great names, it, it just starts to ripple. So a lot of my business was inbound. If I did outbound my business, like response rate and an outbound to me was, Hey, you know who I am? Do you need me? Not Stuart Mitchell is a veteran of the industry who was born in (laughs) like none of that jazz, right? Like it was, Hey, should we do this? Like, and, and that just becomes, that's a lot more natural to me. It's a lot more like, I understand my value. You see the value, you know, if you can and can't use me versus, you know, pushing something down somebody's throat when you might not even be the right partner for them. And so it, it made life a lot easier for me. And, you know, a lot of that has continued into starting my own brand because so many people knew who I was and knew to follow, et cetera. It made, made life a whole lot easier, but um, that's when things, you know, the inbound business, even the inbound candidates of, Hey, you know, my cousin, you know, play somebody's cousin because they saw my post and they're like, my cousin's interested in that. Let me, they're not on LinkedIn. Do you mind if I tag, you know, do you mind if I intro intro you? So it just became a lot easier. I'm not saying that recruitment ever became easy because it's never easy. It became easier. And that's, you know, that's what we're all looking for is how do we make this job easier for ourselves?
0: Yeah, man. It's better. It's easier, but it's a better job. That's the bit like, think about it. If you could spend all day and I say this a lot, you could spend all day talking to people who know who you are it's a fundamentally better job than ringing people that don't. Yeah. Right? Fucking trying to convince people all the time. Like One of my clients who yeah. reminds me of you a lot, a guy called Ryan Kelly in in, in in Melbourne, in Australia, Creative Natives. And Ryan, Ryan's built an incredible business. A few years ahead of you, there's like 16 of them now. But Ryan, when I started working with him in the first eight weeks, him and his team, there's three of them on the program with me. They got 1.8 million views on LinkedIn in eight weeks. And their Jeez. content just started, f- I mean, they blew me out of the water, right? Their content was yeah. just flying. They were getting like a 1,000 likes and 800 likes. And he's like, this is all vanity at the beginning. Like, it's good. And it's a lot of notifications. If anything, my notifications have yeah. distracted me a bit. But now, yeah. he's like, honestly, I met him for-, for lunch in Manchester when he was over the other week. And he said, we never have to convince anyone to want to work with us. Like, it- they either do or they don't. Yeah. but it's never. a, This is why we. You should choose us. It's kind of they've already come to that conclusion. It's whether the commercials work at the time, whether the timing. is like yeah. right. that whole. I've got to try and convince you. I'm the partners, just gone. It's it's like happening in the background, and I was like, Yeah, wow, like that. That's a really good way to put it because I've I've never th- looked at it that way. But I, you know, I think it's so, so simple when you think of it that way
1: yeah and i it's weird when i get very occasionally if i'm dealing with a hiring manager they'll throw me into like a talent team or something and they're like so tell me about yourself i'm like yeah i don't i don't normally have to do this so like this is a muscle i don't stretch very often like i'm i'm good at recruitment everybody uses me like i don't know what to say so uh it is um yeah normally people have, have made their decision um and again like you don't you don't go into like a car dealership and then say hey convince me like if you you find the car you want it's not like hey Convince me it's like you came here right like and i get that that's part of it but like there's times where i've I've become like people have reached out to me and then they're like you you know tell me why we should be working with you and i was like you you called me like i i don't need like I, i would definitely like this but i haven't been hounding you and i think sometimes that's particularly with some of these legacy businesses like there is that switch and you know you end up in negotiations and they're like hey i need you to compromise here i was like but, but you called me and it's, it's so interesting when, you know, some of these businesses that are used to being hounded, decide to choose their partner versus being reactive. I get that. Um, and you can see, I as you go through the, the buying process, it's so interesting. Like you literally called me to ask. And now like, you want me to negotiate on price? Like I, it, It's no, it's odd. I it's it. funny to watch. It does crack me
0: up. I get people come to me like, Sean, need your services. Can we chat? I love your content, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, like, oh, we need to, need to do a deal. Here. I'm like, why? Like it's the exact same thing. Like you've come to me, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I've, I've already got a guarantee in place that I'll give you your money back. Yeah. Like I, I don't mind. It's like, you know, it's like you do. I'll give you a rebate. Like if people work with me for six weeks and they get no results from, and they do everything I tell them, then I'll, I'll give them every penny back. I don't, then it means I've failed, but it never happens because it never failed because it, it's, it's a process that just, it worked. I always put it this way. It's like, if, if anyone's listening here and they're like, maybe it's just because he's in cyber, bullshit. Like if you're yeah. spending a lot of time on LinkedIn each day and you're using it as a primary tool to find candidates, you're on recruiter a lot and you, you can guarantee that your market are there, it'll work. It's not an if, it's a when, right? Um, now, if we go back to the start and May piece, 2019, yep. you know, that, you just explain like what was happening. It takes you till 2022 to launch your business. So what what was the catalyst that made you take the plunge, you know, and and actually go on your own?
1: Yeah. So I I think there was a few factors, right? Like I think I had, I had achieved all the things that I'd set out to achieve at starting man, a very, very quick manner, Um, you know, received every promotion I could get, you know, had my name on the wall, had some records, hired some great people, you know, they were ready to, to step up and, it, it did feel like a natural coming, like drawing of a conclusion for, for me. Um, you know, I, it, it, I loved every second of it. It was a great place to work. They're a great company with great people. Um, but I, the higher I got, the more I wanted to do things differently. And I realized that it's, yeah. it's not my company. So it's not my place to, to dictate, particularly some of the kind of more, you know, decisions around kind of, commercials etc so for, for me it felt like hey sure if you want to do something differently like just put your money where your mouth is and, and go and do it yourself so it felt like the right time at a time where we could kind of separate in a good manner where my successor was already identified and so the timing was was good but you know i thought I, I you're gonna ask questions but i just had a vision of like there's things that i wanted to do differently and wanted to do better and i think like. Not necessarily better either, by the way. Like, in my mind, better, but not yeah. necessarily better. No, no. Um, well, what was but I had my point? way that I wanted to work.
0: Yeah, please do. Okay, but, but you carried on in a logical way. But wh- how long was that process between decision, I, I am going to have to do this, and then actually going and telling them and handing you notice It Was it something you could sit on for a while, or did you have to go and action it?
1: I think I really thought about it for a year. Uh, and then six months prior to the decision, I attested to it, there's a chance that this might happen. So I was like, hey, like, I think I've done everything I can do unless there's a change for me or a change or whatever. Like, it's it, it kind of feels like it's going to play out. So I think, like, when, when that didn't change, and I, I don't think it had to, but, you know, I, I kind of had the conversation of, hey, if we're going to do anything, we probably need to change it now. Um, and we didn't. So then kind of, I think... I probably knew that I was going to leave at like February, March, maybe even April of last year when I was like, okay, I'm doing this, Um, you know, finished, still finished. I would say like fairly strong and, and kind of sprinted to the, to the end. And then, you know, almost the, no, it was July 31st. I decided to, to kind of wrap things up after kind of first half of the year. Uh, and look, I had some paternity and my baby was born in between as well. So yeah, that, when did you become was a baby? Baby what was with that? It. Yeah. A- April of 2022. Um, I will say like maybe starting a business and having a baby in the first year is not, not the play. Um, but I will also say that my wife for whatever Whatever success we have this year and beyond, um, my wife should be in the credits of of, of whatever happens because she has made been very understanding of the role that I've had to play as a business founder, which has been a lot of work. Like I had my first day off this year, like back in back at the start of June. Like it's it's been tough tough for her, and and so grateful to the role that she's played. Um, I'm confident that she'll see the the spoils of war once uh, once we're at where we need to to get. I'm sure something very shiny and or expensive will come her way. But um yeah, it, it definitely wasn't easy kind of balancing the two of being a new dad and being a new business owner. Like I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't suggest that folks follow well, that, interesting. that part of my journey.
0: It is interesting because I, I always find like, you know, I started Hoxhill when I was just turned 30. I just bought a house. I didn't have any responsibilities. And I, and I genuinely thought like, in the next few years, I'm probably going to get married and have kids and and it's probably going to be harder. So I I just thought, fuck it, let's do it now. And, and I'm grateful I did. I ended up going through a marriage, a divorce, another marriage, two step kids. And now I've got a baby on the way myself in a few months in three months. Exactly. So, you know, I'm grateful that I've got six and a half years of business ownership before I have a child. And I have, and I'm, I'm frightened to death of of some of the things that are coming. Um, So did that make you wobble at all? Like when baby born, did you make? Did you were you questioning whether you should just stick it out at start of May for another year and just fucking get through that first graft?
1: No, I like, I have on well, like I am so confident of my own ability to do this job, and I think that's half the reason I'm good is that I generally think that whatever the market, whatever like I I can do this and I can provide for my family and you know. I had done financially fairly well out of the few years and I didn't piss it all away. Like I did when I was younger, like I had a a safety net. And one thing I'd say is maybe I hired a little aggressively, like I hired in my third month when, you know, I nicked a couple of deals in and maybe I was a little aggressive there, but no, I never questioned it. Uh, And again, like looking back, yeah, with a couple of grind months, like starting just as the holiday, like November and December is obviously Thanksgiving, Christmas, Maybe, you know, in an ideal world, maybe I started in, in January of this year and went out, but there's no ideal world. There's never a good time to start a business. And I think, you know, mentally where I was at, I was ready to go. I was ready to start something new. And, you know, ideally, you know, if I'd have done this in start of 2021 when everyone was throwing money around, like that would have been great. But, you know, really, really happy and have no no regrets of of doing it and pulling the, pulling the bandaid off when I did.
0: So did you have a bit of paternity time up until September? Then did you give yourself a bit of June, July, August? Oh, so, sorry, so, I, then, like, yeah, yeah. so yeah,
1: so I, so I had, I, yeah, so I had a bit of, um, so I had a bit of April, and uh, with with Tom, I, was, I was grateful for that. they were very, you know, very respectful of me needing some time with Eloise. Kind of, so was was really good, uh, and then I try, so I tried to take August out. I brought broke my hand the week before which wasn't great so the last week i broke my hand so i couldn't like play some golf or whatever and then somebody when i when i said i was moving on i was was probably you know a little bit more kind of confusing about disappearing into a puff of smoke or whatever and so um somebody reached out to me a private equity company and they're like hey we heard from somebody we know that you're you know you're on the market can we hire you as a recruiter and i was like no, like, I'm not, like this is my plan is to, to start my own practice in a couple of months. I want to take some time, and they're like, oh, because we we need to hire fifteen security people this uh, like this year. And I was like, okay, well, if I, you know, will you use my firm? They were like, and this was a London-based private equity company, and actually, my dad was in town, and so um, I was like, hey, I can come to London next week, and we can talk about this. So they flew me, flew me to London. Um, and so I wanted to take a bit more time out. So I ended up taking like two and a half, three, three weeks. Uh, and this company flew me to London. Um, we did a little bit, it was, it was a bit weird and and decided like they took care of my costs and I did a little bit of consulting for them, but actually they pulled out of the deal. But at that point I was like, all right, I'm already back to work. Let's just go. (laughs) So, uh, probably shouldn't have taken that call and then maybe I'd have taken maybe in October or November as well. Um, but you yeah, end up only having like two and a half, three weeks out. So wow. that's that probably wasn't my smartest
0: play. I was the same though. I think I, you know, looking back now, it would have been add the money to take a few months and do stuff, but you just, I don't know. I think if you've got the bit between your teeth, you got the bit, to, you want to you wanna get on with it, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not good at
0: not working. I
1: realize that. Like I it's, I think, it, and in the US, it's a real thing, right? Like no one, no one's never not working. Like, so it's, pretty like I, I i enjoy recruitment i enjoy the challenges i like running a business like i know it's people you know whatever besmirch this job at times but like i love what i do and that's why i think it's you know something that i've been successful at is something that i want to you know, continue to to keep doing and so for me logging on of an evening or you know getting on early and starting like it doesn't exhaust me i don't really get burnt out because I actually feel invigorated when I'm doing it. And I think that's the difference, right? I think some people get burnt out because they're doing something they don't like doing. For me, I have such an integration of like personal life and professional life. Like I golf with cybersecurity execs. I drink and have dinner with talent leads. Like, so for me, it's kind of never on, never off. Uh, but I like it. I, I don't know if I would change that.
0: That's a very modern way of thinking. And I'd say I'm very similar. I wake up, I'd say I wake up every day very happy with what i'm doing like i wake up with a i've got you know i've got a lot to get done like my day-to-day i woke up at six i was in the gym at half past i was back for quarter past, 20 past seven quick coffee for my wife when she's getting up jumped on a call at half seven because i i knew i had a mental day with it so i jumped on with the prospect at half seven till half eight dropped the kids at school back by nine straight on a call with the whole business i've been non-stop all day right but yeah. i've enjoyed it like i feel energy i feel i don't feel disappointed. Again, if I'd have sat there all day calling numbers and getting rejected yeah. and being like hitting, hitting switchboards, like I remember having to work myself up in recruitment every morning at times when I was yeah. doing that. I was like, fucking hell, like, I've got to do that for another day. And again, once I got in front of people, I had meetings, I was brilliant and I loved it, but there was too much... I just I just remember that I hated that bit. Um Yeah. So why did you join the Recruit Hub? Why did you work with Edmund? Because I love these guys. They obviously they sponsor my show and I'm not just saying, you know, obviously there's a relationship, but I am genuinely interested to know why you took that decision.
1: Yeah. So I, I think what I realise is I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at um, operationally. And, you know, I, I have a very strong understanding of how to be an exceptional recruiter, how to hire good recruiters and how to build a, a revenue fund, like really good at bringing revenue how to actually like make that be a real thing in the background like true understanding of financial models i understand that if i do a lot and don't spend a lot or make loads but you know really understanding financial models building a website putting together terms putting together like evps etc this is where recruit hub have, have really helped me uh, you know you throw in a couple of other bits of like some of the like taxation laws in the united states and i have you know a built-in accountant, um, you know, some of the compliance laws. And and I just didn't have this. And, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, I use Recruit Hub and, and, and Edmund's great. And we, we have a great relationship. I've used him as, to some extent, an advisor for, you know, strategic hires that I may make or, di- you know, directions that I might push the business in. And he's been been great kind of bringing his own, own ideas to that too. So, you know, I've been really, really grateful for the partnership where it's just like, Stu, go and do what you're really good at, and, and we'll kind of take care of the the rest within reason. Um, and it's just allowed us to go further. And look, you know, obviously there's there's a cost attached to that, and I understand that. But you know, would I rather have a a really great percentage of loads or all of the percentage of the middle, and I spend my life doing agonizing admin work, which is just not what I enjoy or what I do well? Um, so it, it it made perfect sense to me. And 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 since then. You know, I'm grateful for the network that I have. Um, I think there's there's different people at, at different stages with this. Um, and again, I don't think like a lot of people in recruitment, I think I've, I've always kind of, you know, people have said, like, I'm the most anti-recruitment recruitment person ever. But I, I do realize that there is value to a community, particularly when I'm running into similar problems with hiring or, you know, tool usage or, you know, hr problems or you know in terms of like getting clients on board or, or anything like that so i've been grateful for the the community that they've built um and it, it's just made my life a lot easier and i think specifically when i was a solopreneur when i was on my own it was good just to have someone to talk to because it's um those first few months when you are really on your own like it's a it's a lonely world so i i was grateful for that too
0: our trusted partner Recruit hub helps new founders launch their own recruitment businesses in the UK, US and the UAE. The community is growing rapidly with over 70 founders on the recruitment platform right now. Everything you need to launch your own recruitment business with ease. You receive 100% of the fees you bill. You own full commercial control of your business and increase its value. You get cutting edge tech stack from ATS to sales automation. There's no admin handle everything from community registration to contracts to finance and support there's no setup costs on the platform no recurring fixed costs and no surprise fees if you're thinking of taking the next step in your career and want to discuss your business idea please book a confidential chat recruiters team or learn more here www.recruit-hub.com forward slash uk awareness okay let's get back to the show totally makes sense i mean that the early days i was always in a two-way well it was three of us who set Hoxo up so i was never on my own but i imagine it's pretty lonely when you you know you start your own business and and there are mm-hmm. look they're all simple enough things you could do but if you can get someone else to who's an expert to take them from day one what impact did it have then so paint the picture of your earliest time in september october what were you actually doing all day once like the where where you would normally be doing all the admin and sell what were you doing
1: selling like sold a retainer on my third day. So like straight in. Like did not not mess around. Like making money essentially and making money, shouting from the rooftops, building a brand. Um but yeah, recruitment. Like essentially recruitment, getting money in the door, getting clients on board, um, you know, particularly kind of picking up new labels and and stuff like that. And yeah, obviously some finesse stuff around kind of long-term values and vision, et cetera. But 90% of my time was doing recruitment, which is like, that's my go-to, right. That's my crutch. Whenever things aren't great or whenever things are you know struggling, like I can, I can always bill, I can always do recruitment. So it was, uh, it felt, it felt very familiar. I didn't feel like I was out of my league when I decided to go on my own because I did everything I used to do.
0: What, impact does having a brand have on you do you think starting a business where like you know no one knows hampton north like your brand name what what impact do you think having a personal brand built before had on that
1: everything honestly everything like it has it i don't i would not have a three-person company right now i would not have done the revenues like i have an industry that cheerleads for me and i get that there's probably people in cybersecurity that don't like me or don't want to work with me or have their own recruiter but there is a I have enough cheerleaders in my industry that and really want me to win and when you're starting a business like that is just the most humbling feeling when you have people like hey like rooting for you going to introduce you to whoever like let me know how I can help and so having that brand and having that as a almost like a support system when I was out on my own of like, Hey, like help this guy out. We want him to win. We'll like, we'll share, we'll, we'll comment, we'll introduce people, whatever like that. Uh, and I will always be grateful for that, you know? And again, like some of the earlier customers of people that, you know, I, 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 didn't know and, and, and hadn't, hadn't met, but had been following my journey for a number of years. Um, like it was just the most amazing thing. So it honestly, I wouldn't have been anywhere closer and um, you know maybe I could have filled it up with doing 500 specs a week or 100 cold calls a day but again I don't know if I'd be where I am today without that kind of network and and reputation
0: no and it, it, this literally was the reason I launched Hoxo, right it was when I was looking into launching Hoxo, which was the recruitment company the big thing for me was non compete it wasn't even that mm-hmm. I didn't really want to go out on BD lot of and cold call all day, but I would have done yeah. it. I ended up, I ended up doing it when I started Hoxo anyway. But yeah. the truth was, the non compete was so tight in a market that I I kind of felt like I knew everyone. I didn't, but I felt that way at the time. Yeah, you're billions, hundred grand. You, you kind of think you know everyone. Um, but there was nothing in my contract that said people couldn't see me or hear me. Like there was no. Yeah, I could talk to the many. I couldn't talk. I couldn't ring someone who I'd done a deal with. And yeah, thought, hey, I'm out but they could still recognize the brand and whether they come to me or whether we just open the door in six months time i just figured out that that would be a really easy way for me to get in front of people and i imagine that's happened similar for you
1: yeah i think look you know i i made a very big song and dance about kind of opening and 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 sharing like who i was and where i was going and and so that my contact details were easy reach but i also think like again similar to you right like you think, you know, everyone in your industry. So you show up at like one of these events and you walk past a hundred people and yeah. you know two. Right. And I think that's the, the real eye opener. I think the other thing is, you know, I spent a lot of time. at would start maybe working the California market. Now that I live in the Northeast and you know, I hadn't had really like I did, I did nothing with my local market. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to go and bang on the doors of, you know, I joined the local country club. Cause I know that there's a load of executives there. And so that's, that has been grateful so i hadn't really tapped my local market i spent a lot of time in in new york and boston now because it's drivable for me in a couple of hours um and so you know i've I found that really really useful and and again like those those six months you know those old relationships like it goes around quicker than you think right and all of a yeah. sudden you know the, the other thing to bear in mind is the industry that i was having my most success in is at start may is now in a really bad way right like tech is tech as an industry in terms of like sas companies etc are not doing well so had i stayed or not like that 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 business had, had gone because a lot of these companies are doing layoffs and and so you know i realized that cybersecurity is interesting because it exists in so many different industries it's not just in these like big tech companies like amazon or netflix you know hospitals need cyber security people oil and gas companies, obviously banks, you know, every business, you know, manufacturing, there is not a business that doesn't need cybersecurity people and, you know, what what we found is, you know, right now my my sales pitch is, hey, I've hired the most amazing people to these, you know, big tech companies. I have a reach to people that you probably haven't been able to ever hire um, and they've probably never heard of who you are but now they're a little bit more open-minded because they actually don't want to work for a tech company. They would rather work for know, a manufacturing or a military or, a, you know, a, a you know, utilities, whatever it is. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm pitching to people is, you know, the caliber of people I've pitched and maybe actually two years ago, you'd have never been able to get them because they'd have gone to any big SaaS company and been paid a fortune. Now the market's corrected a little bit. Got People say corrected. People say it's gone down. It kind of just is what it was before COVID. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. most recruiters, ha- most recruiters haven't been around long enough in this space to understand that, and they're really struggling. Like I understand what this is, and it's just a cycle. Um, but that—that's kind of my value add right now. Is look, you, you may be able to get people that uh, that you you haven't been able to ever hire. So it's it's yeah. interesting, but having that built in network and also realizing that it is just a huge old landscape out there. US is huge, cyber is huge. Allowed me to, to kind of figure a few things out for the first six months, and, and and then really thrive when I needed to. Love it.
0: And you mentioned hiring three people. You got is it you plus three, or you including? It's me, plus, like, me plus me plus
1: two, two with another offer going out this week. The, so
0: what were the symptoms, or what was going on in the business that made you decide to start hiring so soon?
1: Um, deal, like deals, uh, and you know, also just wanting to be around fantastic people um you know i look around the room and everybody in in the business is million dollar biller types like knows what performance looks like knows you know either via me or via the network the kind of standards that that i'm going to expect here so i don't have to to kind of ram those down people's throat right they know who i am they know what i do and actually like pretty much everybody that I've hired has you know, targeted outreach to, to me for, about an opportunity here and what that might look like. So re- really grateful that that's happened. Um, but it's, it's all organic growth, right? The invoices are coming in, you know, we're seeing immediate return of investment of, you know, as an example, you know, Ruby who came over in March, she did eight, four K in a third week. So all of a sudden bang, like immediate ROI. So, know grateful for that and that just allows us to kind of continue on the path of growth but you know even in a tighter market we we have a lot going on we have a lot of opportunity we have a lot of ground to cover and you know i don't know that i'm in this to have these you know huge private equity exits or anything like that but i also know that the types of business that i want to service the ground i want to cover it it can't be done in a one-person business whilst that would probably be a little bit less stressful at times um you know, where I want to be and where I want to take this, it's just not conducive to, to be me on my own. And so, you know, I think we're going to build something. We're going to build something that's it's really hard to get in. Um, like we have a really high barrier of entry. Like I think because we're going to be a, at least today, I'm not saying anything is ever closed, but we're a remote first environment. We're a small team with low overheads and very like high expectations, but lots of autonomy um, yeah. That's great when things are good, but the low, the, uh, the high autonomy thing doesn't work if, if people aren't doing the business. Um, so we just really need to kind of keep those those high standards and, and kind of the the numbers of, of of what we're doing. So excited excited with who we have. Um, I'm not going to grow for vanity or metrics' sake, but if there is an opportunity to hire somebody, fantastic. Which I think we have a couple of others right now as well. Um, I'm going to take advantage of it because I'd I'd love to be. Look, everyone wants to be the best in their space, but I do think there is still a, a void in the US for like a the best cyber recruitment company. There's loads of decent individuals, but there's no brand that owns this space.
0: So, is that what you you want to build a brand that the best individuals come to, and they say, oh, yeah, I'll work. pretty like, much, like, yeah, like yeah. You're building like the Avengers of the of the cyber world. Like, I would I the, would
1: absolutely love to do that. Yeah, yeah.
0: To the people you've hired, are already decent, like good billers, very good billers. They're well known. They've got networks like they're not. Yeah. I mean, that's the hardest thing in the fucking industry, right? To attract someone with good experience, who's got a network. Like, so again, your brand has an impact not only on the client side and the candidate side, but it attracts talent too. Like people want to work for you because they see you, they trust you. They know you're good at what you do. They know you've got a brand. They know you've got a network. If they're turned on by what you're doing, then they're confident that the external market is therefore jumping into the vehicle that you're creating means good news for them as well as you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I'm happy to piggyback some people to the top as long as we all get there together. Like I got no issues with us kind of riding up the elevator together, but look, I I think, you know, who, who I am on, and I think this is one of the other differences. well, who I am on LinkedIn and socials is exactly who I am to work with and work for. Like I, you know, I think one of the things that I'll always say is like, you know, when I'm selling the opportunity here and what it looks like, I know exactly who I am, but I also know who I'm not. I'm not yeah. like, I'm not a massively positive person. Like I, you know, I know what my blind spots are. You know, my, my wife, sometimes she's like, your team are amazing. Like you, sh- you should tell them that like a little bit more often. But I think like, I know some of the things like I, I'm sometimes less structured, but I know that anyone that, you know, anyone that I've hired previously and, and whatever, like, They've, they've gone really far and they will continue to do that. And, you know, at times like, I'll, I'll have the tougher conversations and I'm, I'm comfortable in that, but I'm very transparent with who I am on LinkedIn and that personality will would, would shine through as someone to work for. And I think people appreciate authenticity, right? I think a lot of times in our industry, there's a lot of cloak and dagger. There's a lot of kind of lots of things happening behind the, you know, behind the screens of what the business is doing, comp structures, who's hiring, who's firing, etc I think like, the biggest thing is like I open my books. I'm really honest about who we are and what we're doing. And that's all people want. Like, honestly, people appreciate honesty, whether it's good news, bad news, people just want to know what the news is. And, and that's kind of how I operate. And that's who I try and be on LinkedIn as well.
0: It all makes sense. And I think my whole mantra around LinkedIn is don't be anything, but who you are, just be who you are offline online. Right? I call it being an online yeah. recruiter. You can have a LinkedIn account. You can you can be you can be connected to a thousand or five thousand people. But if you're just limited to the phone calls and the in mails and the emails, you're missing a huge opportunity. Because if you just stick to who you are online and offline, more people see the good of who you are than the bad. Like everyone automatically goes to the, well, what if people hate me? What if people think I'm shit? What if this? What if that? And they always think the worst case scenario first, which we probably do the same. Like when you actually measure up what could happen versus, all right, well, let's look at the positives that could happen as well. Let's just take a minute to flip the glass half full and say, well, what could happen if we get this right? It's incredible, right? It's incredible.
1: Yeah. And like, here's the thing. If someone doesn't like you, do you want to work with them anyway, right? Like if someone doesn't like who your authentic self is, like, do you want to, every time you got a call, do you want to be stressed every time you have a Zoom call with this person because you have to put this face on of the facade of a human being you are. No, like you want to, you want to work with people that you like and see the world through your lens. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that don't like me. I'm sure there are like, and I'm sure there's people that are that idiot Stu who's entirely wrong about remote work or compensation or, but you know, if you have an opinion on something, there's always people that agree with you. As long as like, again, there's, there's a line to the things you bring up you know, religion, politics. Like there's there's lines that you don't talk about. I'm sure that's part of your course of like, this is the no-go zone. But you're allowed to have an opinion on remote work. You're allowed to have an opinion on, you know, compensation. You're allowed to share market trends and and use data and, you know, share anecdotes. And and that's great. And again, not everyone's going to like you. Like not everyone in your recruitment office probably likes you. Not everyone in your, you know, everyone that you do business with likes you. But, you know, the reality is, it's so much more, life is so much easier when you have to, you can be yourself every day and not have to put a face on. Everyone's seen the movie Joker, right? Like you don't want to be putting that on every day to to go to work. And again, it helps if you're a decent or interesting human being for sure. But, you know, it's, again, like to your point, like everyone goes to the negative, but do you want to work with those folks?
0: No, absolutely not. What What's life like for you now then? So the baby is what's, how old is the baby just over a year
1: yeah so So,
0: yeah april i'm thinking it's october yeah so yeah just over (laughs) a year how are you juggling like what is a day like in your life and i'm asking this to imagine my own life
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i i tend to get up with eloise in the morning um that's when my wife will probably probably work out and she'll she'll do her thing uh we'll go you know oh i'll probably get my emails out the way um, we'll we'll go for a walk if the weather's nice, um, grab a coffee. I'll log on formally, eight-ish. Uh I will probably a couple of times a week, but depending on my schedule, I'll just I'll I'll work throughout the day, lots of video calls, obviously coaching. I do a lot of new business, I do less on the delivery side nowadays. So a lot of it is kind of more outbound structured stuff via Zoom or you know, yeah. LinkedIn or whatever it may be. Um I'll get to the gym in the day At about four o'clock. I slow down. Um, I'll have dinner with my wife and, and daughter. Um, we'll do bath time with Eloise. So like maybe four, four, probably four thirty till six. I, I slow down again. And I'll probably do another couple of hours afterwards and, and, you know, depending on, on what's needed. Um, but that, that's kind of my day. I think the beauty of being a business owner, like I have someone on the East coast, I have someone on the West coast. So these little breaks are good for me to be able to communicate with those when necessary. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot, right? Like I don't really have a a ton of midweek hobbies. Um, I'm not out playing five aside, like every couple of weeks. I'll go and play nine holes, maybe over six o'clock evening time. And and that's, that's good fun, but I don't do a ton in the week other than work and work out and hang with my family. But I kind of like it, honestly, like I'm building a business. Um, I see my friends on the weekends, um, and it it just kind of, is what it is but it's nice and structured i have a kid who sleeps great which i'm really grateful for so oh, wow. you know it's i'm not i'm not often woken up at 2 3 a.m and kind of wake up looking tired feeling shit like it's i i feel super grateful that you know she goes to bed at six and wakes up at six so we are we wow. are really really lucky like for whatever tough that we deal with she's a great sleeper
0: wow that is that is a dream mate that is an absolute dream yeah and yeah, and yeah. if we look back now and think right, if there's someone sat there in an agency who's been umming and ahhing about launching their own company over the last few years, and for whatever reason, COVID and the market, and they're they're a competent recruiter, but and they want to do it, but they're, they're using every excuse under the sun to slow themselves down. Like, what advice would you give them now, like if, talking directly to them?
1: Look, one is you can, work. like, if you're good, you'll go and get a job anyway if it doesn't work out. Um, yeah. I think what I was grateful for with Recruit Hub is they front, they front the first bill. So if it doesn't work out, like, obviously, they're taking calculated risks and they don't take everybody on, but they front the stuff so you're not really, like, digging too heavily into savings or, or whatever. So I would say, look, if you're a fairly competent recruiter, look, I, I also feel like... With a down economy, I, I'm probably expecting less deals of recruitment, like strategic exits over the next coming years. I feel like people are starting those cycles again. If you know, and there's always less than people sell you on, to, to be perfectly honest. Like every business is going through an exit, and I they don't. feel they don't. Um, I know every business is targeting it and everyone wants the big payday, but not everybody does it. Most don't, to be honest. I think there was a percentage of like however many do, and it's less than one percent. Yeah. Do it every year. So if you think that's what's tying you back, it's probably not. Um, You know, again, if if, if you're fairly good, if you want autonomy, if you want like the, there's, there's things that maybe sometimes I regret, like the growth kind of stops and you have to go and seek your own growth. I think that's one of the most interesting things is that yeah. no one's going to water you. You have to go and find out your own growth through reading or coaching or whatever, which is yeah. probably, I think one of the most interesting Uh, I'm at that point now where I'm like trying to figure out who my coach might be and who my growth mentor might be, which is I'm not the most coachable person. So it's uh, like whoever gets it, it's a tough job. Um, But yeah, I think like it's, it's a fairly low risk situation. Like go and do it. The worst thing you can do if you're a decent recruiter, someone's going to hire you if it doesn't work out. And I guarantee it works out more often than not for people.
0: Yeah. If you've got the the work ethic, and you know you keep your costs down and you don't spend like a lunatic, and you, you know, not everyone's going to hire in three months. They're going to just keep their head down. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not, again. I always say it's like like content. It's an if not a when. Like it will work if you just do the basics right. But you've got to come in with that experience and knowledge of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Stuart. This has been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Um, I know it's early where you are, so I want to leave you to get on with your day. Um, If anyone has listened and feels inspired by you and wants just to pick your brains or wants to become your mentor, either one, um, is it okay (laughs) if they drop you a note on LinkedIn and and reach out and have a chat, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's been a real pleasure. It's been a ton of fun.
0: Legend, mate. Thanks so much. I'll get you back on without a doubt in the next couple of years to see how uh, Hampton North grows and eventuates but i've got no doubt you're gonna have some huge success
1: appreciate it and looking forward to the next one
0: thank you as always for listening to today's show i truly truly hope that you got value from it that's the only reason i take time every week is to ensure that my audience future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that i love so much stronger today's episode was brought to you by hoxo media I am the CEO and founder of Oxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So, we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now, both managing the brands, producing content, building written video, podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. and would love to talk to you. I'll see you soon.